And there we go. All right, so we're off and running. So we're in Judges chapter 15. <clears throat> this is a short chapter, and um, I think we'll probably get through mo- a good part of it at least. Um, we'll pick it up, but we'll read the whole chapter. It's 20 verses. We'll start with Denny's table, George's table, and uh, Tom's table, and our table, and we'll go around the room till we, uh, we finish all 20 verses. Later on, at the time of the wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat and went to visit his wife. He said, I'm going to my wife's room, but her father would not let him go in. I was so sure you thoroughly hated her, he said, that I gave her to your friend. Isn't your younger sister more attractive? Take her instead. And Samson said to him, to them, this time, this time I shall be blameless regarding the Philistines if I harm you. So he went out and caught 300 foxes and tied them tail to tail in pairs. He then fastened a torch to each pair of the tails. When he had set fire to the standing, when he set fire to the torches, he let the foxes go in the standing grain of the Philistines and burned up the stocks and the standing grain, as well as the vineyards and olive groves. And the Philistines asked, who did this? They, they were told, Samson and Timmy's son in law, because his wife was given to uh, his companion. So the Philistines went up and, and burned her and her father. Because you did this, Samson vowed, I won't rest until I take my revenge on you. He attacked them viciously and slaughtered many of them. Then he went down and stayed in a cave in the rock of the of uh, Etham. The Philistines went up and camped in Judah, spreading out uh, near Lehi. And the men of Judah said, Why, why have you come up against us? So they answered, We have come up to arrest Samson to do to him as he has done to us. Then 3,000 men from Judah went down to the cave of the rock where they beat them and said to Samson, Don't you realize that the Philistines are rulers over us? What have you done to us? He answered, I merely did to them what they did to me. They said to him, We've come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. Samson said, Swear to me that you won't kill me yourselves. So they spoke to him, saying, no, but we'll tie you securely and deliver you into their hand. We will surely not kill you. They bound him with two, two ropes and brought him up from the rock. As he approached Lehi, the Philistines came forth and shouted, Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on him. The ropes of his arms became like charred flax and the grinding sprout. <clears throat> then he found the fresh jawbone of a donkey, each cow and took it, and with it he killed a thousand men. And Samson said, When a, doc, a donkey's jawbone, with a donkey's jawbone, I made donkeys of him. With the donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. When he finished his boasting, he threw away the jawbone, and the place was named Jawbone Hill. Because he was very thirsty, he cried out to the Lord. You have given your servant this great victory. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? 
Then God opened up the hollow place in Lehi and water came out of it. Uh, When Samson drank, uh, his strength returned and he revived. So the spring was called En-Hakhor and it is still there uh, in Lehi. And he judged Israel 20 years in the days of the Philistines. Okay. All right. So let's go back. It's true that that the the Philistines or that that Israel did not at all engage the the uh, Philistines. I my comment would be nowhere in the story of Samson though do we see Samson attempting to raise an army to fight the Philistines. It's all about Samson. You'll notice that that and we're going to get there, but notice what he says here. He says uh, in verse eleven, I merely did to them what they did to me. So, you know, remember the golden rule, do unto others as they've done to you? That's Samson's golden rule. And at the same time, they uh, came down to him and they said, what are you doing? Don't you know that they're lords? Yeah. They master lords? Yeah, you're right. We're here in the corner. Yep. We want to stay there. We like it there. Yep. What are you doing which means, which means what? They've become fully canonized yeah. in everything they do. We're, gonna, we're, we're not trusting God. We don't believe God can help us. God promised us the land, but hey, you know what? But you know, just that we're happy with the way things are. Oh yeah. Which, by the way, indicates that all people have this tendency at times. You know, some I say all people. Take a group of people. There'll be some people that will always say the status quo is fine. I don't want it because it could get worse. I'd rather stay right where I am. And in, in so doing so, I will play into the hands of my captors. I will do whatever is necessary. Think back, to, think back during World War II, and, and the Jews are in the concentration camp. There's a whole group of Jews, not many, but there is a group of them that, that not only say that, but that turn on their own people. They're the ones that are kind of policing their own people. And they're doing it to make sure that, they, you know, so we, so we survive. And there are others that, that you know, like in, like in Warsaw, in the, in the ghetto there, that rise up against them finally and say, we're, we're going to war. They have virtually no chance of survival, but they're willing to do whatever they have to in order to try to survive. And I think that's true in all of our lives. That some of us get, get complacent. It's almost like the battered wife syndrome. Yeah, somewhat, yeah. I know what I've got. It's not good. But that's yeah. You know, I, I've had a situation where I've, I've, I know of, a, uh, of women who have exactly done that. They, they know that this person is bad for them, but they just can't break the, you know, the habit or the chains or whatever, whatever description you want to say that they've, they've developed with this person. They just can't get away from them. They, they'll acknowledge it, but, you know, but, but he really loves me. He really cares. Almost the Stockholm Syndrome maybe even as well. It goes on here. And I don't know if that's what's going on or not, but you're right. Samson is about the only one that does anything, but Samson's always doing it as a result of they, they, they messed with me and I'm going to mess with them. It's never because this is what the Lord wants me to do. It says that, you know, he says he, he judges Israel for 20 years. Think about this. We have three or four chapters of him, and the only time, the only thing we read about is 
the Philistines did this to me, so therefore I do that to them. It's always, you know, tit for tat. It's always an eye for an eye. It's always all about vengeance. You know, i got to get my way. And so it starts off with that. When we go back here, it's, late, it's around the time of the wheat harvest. It's around, it's, that's roughly May, the wheat harvest in, in Palestine. And he's, he decides that he's, now remember, he, he stopped off angrily at, and left his wife at the, at the wedding, you know, the wedding feast, seven days. He apparently never consummated the marriage, is what it would appear. And he comes back with kind of hat in hand, or at least with a goat, and saying, hey, I'm trying to make you feel good, and I'm going to give you this gift. I guess back in, in uh, you know, was this 1500 B- B.C., uh, instead of rings or, you know, jewelry, you give goats, I guess, to make the ladies happy. I don't know. But he, he goes with a goat, and his, he comes and his, he wants to go in and visit his wife, and, and it basically, he's basically saying here, I want to... I want to go in and have relations with him. I want, I want to consummate my marriage. We don't know how long it's been, but it's been a, at least a, a little bit of time. And what happens? The father-in-law says, no, 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 you can't go in there. I gave her away. But hey, you know what? How about you take this other gal, her younger sister, because she's a lot better looking. Think about the fact that Samson re- rejects. He starts off by saying what? In, in 14, he's going, oh, I saw a woman I really, really like. She's really pretty. It's all about the eye candy, and now the eye candy, he's offered supposedly better eye candy. We don't know that, but that's what the, the father-in-law says. And, and Samson says, no. What does that say? What's the implication? You can't tell me what to do. I'll do whatever I want, and I want the one I chose. I don't care if this one's better than I am. So he's, he's gone from being... <clears throat> From being just all about the lust of the eyes, now he's being just plain old stubborn. I can't have my way, so I'm going to do what I want, right? And notice he said, and notice what the father-in-law says. I thought that you hated her. Uh, in the Hebrew, it has the idea that I thought you divorced her. I thought you got rid of her. You didn't want her. And so, you know, and Samson says, now this time I have the right to get even with the Philistines. And I will really harm them. So he goes out and he catches 300 foxes. Now, this word fox, I love Hebrew, but I hate Hebrew at times because Hebrew is, at, at times it's incredibly specific and at times it's not. And in this particular case, the word for fox can also be used to, to mean jackal. So think about a sm- like a small dog or something, or a bunch of animals running around. And he manages to get them, because foxes tend to not grow and run in packs. You ever known a fox to run in a pack? I have a fox that lives in our neighborhood. I've never seen more than one at a time. But this is a, a group of them, a running group. So I don't know if they're like... Jackals, or some say jackals. Some, I'm thinking almost like a, a group of um, maybe coyotes or something, or hyenas, maybe you know something like that. I'm not that that they're hyenas down there, but he, he grabs them and he ties their, them together on the tail, and he puts a torch in there, and he lights a torch, and he lets it go. Um, I think it's kind of interesting that he does this because he's upset. Have you ever noticed that? As Christians, we have a tendency sometimes 
to hide our selfish motives behind religious zeal and we call it religious indignation. They did this. And that's terrible. It's against the rules. It's not what God wants. And so therefore we're going to, you know, it's all about, we, basically religious indignation is, is code for uh, religious temper tantrums. I didn't get my way, so therefore I'm going to do something back to you. That seems to be Samson's whole attitude. And so he's not fighting really God's battle, although God sets it up so that God, he is fighting God's battle. But in his mind, what's he doing? Getting even. By the way, does that ever work? Does that ever work? Is that, is that how you, you know, someone does wrong to you, so you turn around and do wrong to them, and that, that works. That settles it right there, right? That, that ends it right there? As soon as you get even, that's it? Or does it tend to escalate because then the person that you did it to says, okay, i got to get back at him, and it ends up being a vicious cycle? How do we stop war other than victory, flat-out victory? But sometimes the battles we go against, sometimes it's just we just let it go. God says, vengeance is ours. We get to do what we want, right? Isn't that what God says? It's all about us. Right? Since none of you are arguing, that must be the truth. We get to do whatever we want. Right? Boy, y'all are sad today. No, no, it's not. God says, vengeance is mine. I'll repay. You don't have to worry about it. I'll take care of it. And when we start the battle, we start. It's a vicious cycle. We we get vengeance, and then they think they got to get vengeance. And then somebody, in some place, you have to stop the cycle. And usually, it's the bigger person, it's the more mature person that stops the cycle. Or maybe you just get tired of it. I don't know. But instead, we've got we've got Samson, basically starting with a, a religious temper tantrum, saying, "Yeah, I'm all." But yes. You think, I mean, he did think they, they, they did not get divorced. They, he took away his wife. I mean, you got to be a little. Tempted. Yeah. So who should he be upset with? Who should he be upset with? The father-in-law. Who's he getting vengeance against? All the Philistines. You know, it, it, it's like wow. Talk about overreacting. Wouldn't you think he'd get upset with the father-in-law? No, he decided I'm going to upset with the whole culture of the Philistines. They're all against me. So he flat, flat says, okay, fine, I'm going to do it. At the same time, God told him that they were supposed to wipe out the Philistines. It's true. And God is working through this to do exactly Absolutely that. correct. Correct. But remember, God is doing it without Samson really realizing what he's doing. He's do, he is doing exactly what God wants, sure which is this whole idea of this providence of God, the providence of God, where God works things out in spite of us, not because of us. It's interesting though the last chapter his vengeance the spirit of the Lord came on. Yeah. This time it didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's like two different situations. One time he did say, Okay, you screwed with me, I'm gonna mess with you, but God intervened and forced it, not forced it, but, but caused it, yeah. the spirit, but the spirit of the Lord yeah. didn't come to him in uh, later yeah, in fourteen as you're talking about, yeah. But now in this particular case we don't see that. We're not we're, but we Both see that he ties he ties the, the, the these animals together. And so um, uh, he sends up uh, this, uh, he strikes at the, this part of, of Palestine is the, is the 
was the grain area. It was the area where a lot of the, uh, the grain was raised because it was flat. And, and, and so you had, uh, you had a lot of, uh, of uh, uh, wheat and, and uh, other grains that were there, uh, oats, uh, um, barley, uh, barley especially, barley and, and wheat. And, uh, and so uh, it's the wheat harvest. And you've got grapes, and you've got uh, uh, olive olive groves there, and it reminds me of when we've been to Sicily and Sardinia, guys. Those that have gone with and, and been with Giuseppe, you see these groves, or you see these, these fields of, of the you know, and it's just you turn these 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 animals loose. If he had just tied the the torch to the tail of, of, of a single animal, you'd have had the animal running straight ahead to try to get away from the fire that was on its tail. Should have been a straight line. But think about this. The fact that you've got two animals, each of them have their own opinion of what they should do, and they're not working in tandem. They're, they're, they're frightened, they're scared, and so what are they doing? They're going here, there. It's like zigzagging all over the place, running around trying to get away from the fire and probably away from each other, probably snapping at each other the whole time they're doing this. And what happens is that the torches not only ignite, uh, they ignite, the, the shocks, the, the cut grain, it hasn't been winnowed yet. It's laying in the field drying. It's there, and they haven't, de- they haven't dealt with it yet. Plus, there's still standing grain, and it get, all of that gets burned. The entire crop uh, is gone for the Philistines for that year. Plus, it, it goes into their vineyards and their olive groves. You have pretty much decimated this group of people's economy. It's pretty much sad for them for the next year, and and what's going to happen is they're going to obviously, what are they going to do? Take it out on on the Israelites, I'm sure. But that's not what it, that's not what he's worried about. He's worried about they didn't take care of me, so I'm going to, you know, Samson paid the pri- the 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 bride price for his wife. He doesn't get her. He he should be mad at his father-in-law. What's he mad? He's mad at the Philistines instead. So what happens is. The Philistines get perturbed, right? And what do they do? What was it? What was it that the Tinmite? What was Samson's wife? Why did she go after him and beg him and 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 plead with him and just you know make his life miserable for a week? What was she attempting to do? They, they threatened her. Yeah, they threatened her in her in her father's house. Right? They were going to kill him. They want the answer to the, to the riddle. So she gets the riddle because she's trying to save Dad's house and her house, right? And what happens in chapter fifteen? She dies anyhow. You notice? You notice the irony of that? She dies anyhow. Everything she tried to do came to nothing. They didn't care. Well, it's your fault, your dad's fault because he gave you. The, so now we're going to they're going to deal with you. And it's exactly what they did. They, they, they burn her house down. And, um, and again, I come back to this whole idea that, that Samson does this. It's like Samson wants to be the master of his own fate, but hidden within there is the providence of God where he's able to bring all of the schemes, all of the, the, the everything that we do, that humans do, and he uses it to accomplish his own purpose regardless of whether or not we really plan to do that or not. I find that, I find it at times comforting and at times kind of scary, personally. 
God's going to work it out even if I go against him. That's kind of, almost makes you feel like, well, what's it matter if I do it or don't do it, right? Except what? One way I get the blessings of God, one way I get the cursings of God. Which would I rather have? I'm just saying, I, I, I prefer the right hand versus the left hand. I prefer the blessings. All right, I can see this is really going nowhere fast. So, okay. I'm, well, we do the same thing that Samson does. You know, I don't get my way. I let everybody else pay. Yeah. You know, um, I go to a church. I don't like it, the preacher. The church is wrong. Yeah. Well, thank you for acknowledging that. You know, it, it's the easiest way rather than working the problem. Rather than helping or solving the problem, I take my revenge because they he didn't do it like I want him to do it. Like he says, I will. This time I'm gonna be blameless. Yeah. Uh, who's gonna be blameless? Uh, nobody's blameless, according yeah. to the word. Yeah. The problem is we don't accept to uh, the fact that. We have to look first at ourselves before looking at other people. When we realize where we stand, then we can make maybe the right decision. And the right decision is to be with God rather than, is here is very arrogant. Mm-hmm. Aside from the plan of God, he's substituting himself to God in a way. Well, he's putting himself ahead of God. It's yeah. all about me. Yeah. I think a lot of times, though, God, for situations, is that we become a new Christian and we, we, we don't allow people to grow because God begins to reveal in people's lives what's wrong. He doesn't do it yes, all at once. Yes, that's correct. He's, he does it very slowly. And yep. Like he mentioned, you see an offense that comes up. Okay, why that? That baby's always there. You never knew it, and now it comes. Then there's two ways to deal with it. Yeah, I've, I, have, I still have a choice, but there, yeah. there's a part of me that says, I'm going to get him, and there's a part yep. that you shouldn't. Yep. Which do you choose? That's all. I'm, I'm reminded of uh, uh, when I, there have been times when I've, I've worked with and had a, a hand in, in helping young Christians come to a deeper knowledge of in following Christ, and they've come to me and said, well, you know, so-and-so has told me I need to do this. And I said, and they'd say, well, I, but I don't feel convicted of that. I said, well, this is an area, and, and, and specifically, it would be an area that's more of a, a, in my opinion, it's not cut and dried. It's not like thou shalt not kill. It's more like, you know, whether or not I should, um, as an example, should I smoke? Let's just take that. Um, I got in trouble with that, by the way. When I was one time, when I was I was in I was at Bob Jones, I was in, in and I was uh, the uh, leader of uh, a group of uh, guys in the dorm, and so I was trying to explain the difference between uh, principles and laws, and so I I I said something to this group about the fact that nowhere in Scripture does it say thou shalt not smoke, but the principle is don't do something that harms your body. Um, like and eating donuts. Like eating donuts, thank you. 
I didn't say. I didn't say. <laughs> hey, I already ate mine. I'm going to have another one before we leave here. <laughs> so, so th- this this kid gets in trouble. So, of course, what he what he does is he throws me under the bus. He says, "Well, Val said." To the, to the dean of men, he says, Val said you, that it was okay to smoke. I said, no, I never said that. I said, there's a principle that there's no law that says this. And so I can remember that later on when I was ministering uh, and I was helping this person grow, go through this whole process, he says, well, I don't have a problem, you know, with, uh, with smoking a pipe or, or drinking. And I said, then, then it's not an issue at this point. Deal with the issues that God is already bringing to your attention. The things that you read in Scripture say, this is what I need to do in my life. Do that. And I, I explained it, and I explained it to you guys this way as well. What's God's ultimate goal for us? His image. Right, to be conformed to His Son's image, right? But how do we get there? Is the, is the path that, that you take different than the path that I take? Yeah, it will be. Why? Because I have different experiences. I have different DNA. Yours is evil. Thank you. <laughs> 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 yes, it is. And, and God knows a whole lot more than you do about yes, just how evil I am. Uh, so the point is that there reach a point where God will reveal something to me earlier in my journey than he might reveal it to you because it needs to be taken care of earlier in my journey. For you, it might be a little further down the journey. And so it was with this gentleman. He eventually gave up smoking because he felt that he felt convicted about it. But until he felt convicted about it, he, all you're doing is conforming to a list of rules and becoming what? A legalist. And that's not what God wants. God doesn't want us to be legalist, nor does he want us to be licentious, but that's a whole other story. Licentious is the opposite of legalism. Licentious is do whatever you want. Enjoy it all. You know, it's, it's, the, it's the two sides of, of dualism, the two sides of Gnosticism. One side says, my body is evil, so therefore I beat it into subjection. I don't want to do anything that's wrong. So anything that's physical is wrong. Everything that's spiritual is good. The other side of Gnosticism says, because it's evil, it doesn't matter if I do it or not. It doesn't count. The only thing that's important is spiritualism. So therefore I can do whatever I want, which is easy to slip even further and go into antinomialism, which is where you ignore the law is totally because God's going to give you more grace. So the more we sin, therefore, the better it is because God gets to show us more grace. Which is, again, by the way, absolutely wrong. It just amazes me how many times I learned more about how to break the rules here. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. My, my job is done. It's taken how many years to get to this point? I can now retire in peace, knowing that Keith now knows how to break all the rules. <laughs> I think that's so. That's right. He's got to keep it. And in fact, it's so hard. I really think that one of the things that we find is that when you look at the law in the Old Testament that, that God gave Moses, it was all to point out, you can't do it on your own. It just can't be done. It's one of the reasons why God creates a new covenant, a, a new testament. And he says, you know what? I'll make it. Jesus says, my yoke, my Torah, literally, my Torah is easy and my burden is light. And it's hard for us to get rid of the, the law. Mm-hmm. I still find, you know, I, I was raised in a legalistic 
environment, and I still struggle with all of the time with how do, how do I live by grace? It's harder for me to live by grace than it is to live by laws because I know I'm going to break them, but I also know all ways around them. You know. At the same time, there's many things that Jesus said it's way harder than the law. Oh, yeah, it I is. Mean, like, like yeah. Sunday, it's, if a man looks at a woman lustfully, he's already committed to Yep. Wow. Yep. You know, which, which tends to make it pretty tough for me to, yeah, I need to go around and gouge up my eyes or something. Yeah. But, you know, there, were, there were Pharisees that did that. There was a group of Sadducees that had certain things and they. Some of them actually walk with their head down all the time. Yeah, what do they call the, the uh, bruised and bleeding or something yeah, like they that? And they, to they would run in. They were so concerned they would walk around like this and yep. had different groupings and got in certain community part of this. It, would, it, it reminds me of the time we were, years ago, my wife and I were down in Amish country and we were buying some Amish furniture. We were having it made for us. And... Um, the gentleman that I was dealing with would not talk to my wife. And so, uh, even though she's standing there, so she would have to ask me to say to him, whatever our, you know, could you ask him what color can we have this stained? And I'd say, my wife wants to know what color we can stain this in, you know. And he would answer me, and then she would say, well, ask him, can I have double pedestals or single pedestals? It, she realized it pretty pretty quick, quickly that this was an issue. But it just it just cracked me up because I'm going. This guy is, you know, he's abiding by the rule of the law. He wants to make sure he doesn't do anything that, you know, so he will have nothing to do with this English quote unquote English woman. And he only talks to me, and it was just the it was the funniest. It, it was almost like some of those cartoons, you know, those 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 sketches where you see, you know, it's, it it was just it was crazy. But we walked out of there, she, and she was kind of, she was kind of mad and kind of uh, found it humorous all at the same time, you know. Which is, I was glad because you know you'd be surprised she didn't take her purse to him or something or other. But yeah, we we made it all right, and yeah, we we enjoyed that table for many years. So. No, yeah. thinking of Samson, the Israelites' direction to drive out the Israelites from So they're still, and God actually said, well, I'm going to keep some from there because you guys have a baby. That's right. Yeah. And I think about us and how that applies to me. You know, Jesus gave us very clear directive that we're going to share the gospel, all creation, you know, to the whole world, to the ends of the earth. Mm -hmm. Yet how many of us really actually engage in sharing Jesus with people and being the light and witness to them? Very few. So... Sometimes we look at people who are actually engaged in that, and we think, wow, you know, I don't know if they're doing this the right way. And then we look at Samson, he's actually doing what God said, whatever his motives may have been. And then they just sit back and they say, what's going on? You're doing this all wrong. You're getting mad at us. Yeah. He was actually doing more in obeying God's direction for Israel than they were. And they were sitting there criticizing him. Which brings about one of the points I was going to make. That's a great. That's a great comment because Samson's fight. He he, he ends up running away. And he he deals with the, the Philistines and then he goes into Judah. All right, and so he he escalates this personal feud that he had with the Philistines. You did wrong to me, and therefore I'm going to get back at you. <laughs> and he creates an international 
crisis, basically. Two, two nations are now at war with each other because it's exactly what God wanted to have happen. So God ends up using this personal feud to create exactly the situation that he wants to bring about this international crisis only instead of raising an army in Judah to defend Judah and to do what God wants them to do. The only army that, that Samson ever raised was 3,000 men to fight against him, to take him into captivity. Good job, Samson. Good job. Great leadership. That's right, and he man. He stayed there until God took it in his own hands. Since after Stephen's death, there was not, you know, a yep. of yep. persecution against Christians. That's what drove him out. It yep. was not the willingness. It's just that they had no choice. Sometimes because, sometimes God does that. You know, he says, this is my will. This is my plan. And you're not willing to follow it. I'm going to make it happen regardless. And it be a, for you. won't be exactly quite as, exactly. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So instead of raising an army against the Philistines, he raises his own countrymen against himself. And notice that Judah is determined to avoid conflict with the Philistines at all costs. They don't really care. Don't you realize the Philistines are rulers over us? We're okay with that. Yeah, it's okay. What, what, what was, remember Gideon's comment? Gideon's comment in, in 8 to 23 says, The Lord will rule over you, not, not Philistines. The, the Lord will rule over you. And so Samson, Samson, I also noticed that in this passage, Samson does this great thing. He adopts the Philistines' ethics, which becomes his own. You know, whatever you do to me, I'm going to do to you. You know, which is kind of the Philistines' golden rule. Just as they've done to me, I'm going to do to them. When an enemy meets this kind of morality, there's no hope for resolution. And there's only the final solution, if you will. You know? So then notice that, that they have no stomach to, to challenge existing political realities, the Judah, Judah, Judahites, Judahites. And so they're, they're prepared to offer up their own countrymen to... It almost reminds me of, you know, remember what uh, the, the uh, high priest in Jesus' time says about the prophecy. He says, unknowingly, he's prophesying it's better for one man to die for the country than for all to die. Which is true. It's better that Christ died for us, for the sins of the whole world. But he didn't realize that. So the Philistines, Judah and the Philistines are allied against God's chosen ruler, God's chosen leader. God's servant. Can you imagine? Evil, incarnate, and God's people coming together to attack God's leader. That's planned. That's perfect. Just exactly what you want to have happen, right? So, the, the one thing I'll say, the one positive thing I'll say about Samson in this particular part of the story is this. He's fearful that the Ju- that Judah will kill him, and I think that the reason for that is probably twofold. One, if they try to kill him, he could kill them. He's strong enough to do so. Secondly, I, and that's the positive. The the other side of that is that um, 
he wants to make sure that if he gets close to the Philistines, he can kill them. I think the other thing that's interesting is that it ends up being that death at, at the hands of his own people, in his minds, is more shameful and ignominious. I can't say that word. Um, than death at the hands of his enemies, or in this case, eventually death at the hands of of a woman. It's more shameful to be killed by your own people than, than to be killed by a woman or through the, the, the auspices of a woman. All right, so you ever notice it's interesting, it's very hard for a leader to lead with no followers? I'm reminded of uh, one of the pastors, one of my senior pastors at one time that I dealt with, uh, that I served with. He had a hat that said, I'm their leader. I don't know which way. I don't know where my leaders, where my people are. Can you point me in that direction? You know, <laughs> I have no idea. I'm their leader. Can you t- tell me where they are? And, and and so it is with this case. Is Samson is? This is a really sad state when you think about it. The citizens of God, the the people of God, are more willing to cooperate with the enemy, and hand over their own God-appointed leader, than they are in dealing with what's important. They're, they're interested, this is, I'm just, I'm amazed at how easy it is to give in to evil. It's hard sometimes to stand for what's right. It's hard sometimes when you're the only one doing it, or very few are doing it. Sometimes you feel like, I know sometimes we end up feeling like Elijah, I'm the only one that's doing it. And God says, no, you moron. There's still, you know, 800 men that have never bowed their knee to, to Baal. You're fine. You're not alone. You still might be small in number, but it's, there's, you know, there's always a remnant. There's always a remnant. All right, so. So in, in one defense of Samson and his behavior and his, uh, his desire for revenge. Yeah. The general teaching, it seems to me, of the law, and I've, of punishment. Yeah, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Yeah, there's not a lot of forgiveness uh, as we walk through this book and look at these various judges of killing 10,000 here and 30,000 there, and it seems like he's acting... And pretty soon you got a, a big number, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, he's just acting like the way uh, the Israelites acted, you know? It's, it's punishment, you know? You do wrong, you get punished. But notice that in all the other instances, it's God who says, I want you to do this, and I want you to attack these people and kill these people. It isn't because it's what I want to do. And that's the difference here, is that in this particular instance, Samson is doing it all based upon, you know, you did me wrong. Except in key spots where it says the Spirit of God came on him strongly. And now but why him. was he upset to begin with? He was upset to begin with because they did him wrong. And so the Spirit of God kind of says, okay, fine, this is, this is perfect. Working into my hands. Let's go. Let's you know. And I'm going to pour on the gas for you right now. So yeah, you're right to a degree. You're right to a degree. Notice that that we get this interesting thing here now, where in verses 14 and following, they say, "Well, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to put you in new ropes." And and they they approach. They they send him to the Philistines. And the Philistines are shouting, and it says, The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. So, yeah, you're right. And the, and the ropes in his hands, we don't know if it's his own strength or if it's the strength of, of Yahweh that comes upon him. 
We're not sure, but we know that the, the ropes, they end up being like charred flax. I mean, they just, they just literally fall off his hands. And n- notice what he does in verse 15. What's he do? Yeah. He's a jawbone. He picks up a jaw. It's about nine inches. Maybe still has teeth in it. Maybe not. It's fresh. So if it was old, if it was just sitting there and old, it would possibly break easier. But it's fresh, which says what? What's the negative of that? He's touching a dead animal. He's not supposed to. He's a Nazarite. He's not supposed to do that. So he still he he breaks you know again one of the rules one of the the parts of the vow, but he ends up doing it and he kills, I don't know one or two guys. Yeah, he he kills a thousand, and he uses a pretty innocuous piece of equipment to do it—a jawbone of an ass. Uh, I'm reminded of Shamgar, who earlier on in in Judges three uh, kills six hundred. Philistines with an ox goad, which is basically just a stick to goad the oxes forward. It's not much of a spear. It's a little tiny thing, really, comparatively. It might might be the size of a javelin, maybe not. It's not big. So there's a couple things that's interesting about this. Yeah. The one is is why is Phil, why why is Samson in a cave? It almost sounds like he's not with his parents. He's hiding away. Yeah. He's in hiding. Yep. Um, after he did this act with the boxes tying their tails together, kind of like maybe he knows he's going to get punished. Something. Yeah, he's out, out hiding. But the, the thing is, is that the Israelites knew where he was at. Yeah. They could go find him. They knew somehow they knew where he was at. And then. Um, What's interesting is, even though he's hiding away, he still has the ability, but only when the Spirit of the Lord comes on does he come out of hiding to actually fight him. Mm-hmm. So he's mm-hmm. in hiding without, obviously, the Spirit of the Lord not coming on him, but when he comes on, then he goes out and fights. And it looks like he's not even prepared. He doesn't have a sword or anything else. He just mm-hmm. grabs whatever line around to yep. fight with. So he, he was actually cowering away, I believe, in this cave. He wasn't Very possible. bad or anything else. Mm-hmm. He was hiding away. The spirit came more, and then, then he's actually doing what he's supposed to do. It's kind of interesting. We get, in just a couple of chapters, we get 20 years compressed, and we see little bits of, and now, now granted, that's better than, than in chapter, uh, was it chapter 13, was it? Or that well, they, they, they mentioned three guys in about six chapters, and it's, uh, you know, uh, one is uh, uh, 23 years, one is 22 years. Uh, uh, let's see, where, that was in 11. In, um, yeah, so you got uh, uh Ibzam uh, for seven years, Elon for ten years, and Abdon for eight years, and we got we they each amount to a verse, maybe two verses. If we're lucky. We get very little information, but we got twenty years. So Samson, let's say Samson, we don't know when he starts. So let's say he started at, at age twenty. By age four, he's dead by age forty. He maybe starts at thirty. He's dead at age fifty. We don't know, but at some point he's probably roughly a man. So he's. Late teens, early twenties, 
and he lasts for 20 years. But we don't know why he did. But apparently he was... Did, did he judge Israel like the other judges? Did he settle disputes? We don't know, we don't, we're not told. We're not told what all he did in this cave. Did he just hang out there? Was it just for a few days? Was it months? It takes a while to raise an army back then. Today you call up, make a couple of phone calls, and we've got standing armies. But think about a militia where you're having to bring them all together. You have to send out runners to each town to announce that we need to get people it's going to take a while for that to happen. Um, the, the good thing to see, which is bad, we look at numbers. And numbers, it's human. If it was God's purpose to go visit them in a cave, it would have been enough one person. Instead, 3,000 people. Pretty oh, interesting. Just in case he revolts against us. Well, apparently they, they knew that he was somewhat strong. Right. You know. The same thing... It's from Samson. Even if the Spirit of God goes upon him, he never recognizes it, at least in these in this few verses. Yeah. And the same is from the people of Judah. Hey, let's go 3,000 of us to convince him so that we're going to get hurt, which he could have hurt them anyway. What is God in it? God is put aside. My strength, my job on, I'll kill a 1,000. What I'm going to do? I'm going to go hide. Uh, there's no recognition of God. Then he complains. Oh, after I kill 3,000 people, I'm dying of thirst. Mm, well, we're going to get there, but we need right. to make a couple of points in verse 16. It's kind of interesting. In verse 16, he has this song that he, he, he memorializes himself. It's rather narcissistic. I killed... I took a job on of an ass. I killed a thousand men. I made donkeys of them all. You know, he says, with the donkeys, it, 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 the way it reads, it, again, in Hebrew, it's parallelism. So you got donkeys, jawbone, a heap, two heaps. With donkeys, jawbone, I killed a thousand men. Well, what you've got here is you've got a play on words. The word for donkey in Hebrew and the word for heap in Hebrew are virtually spelled the same. So he's making a play on words here, which we miss in, in our English translations. But it's kind of, I just th- thought it was interesting. Samson claims all of the credit for himself, even though it's God who gives him the strength. It's because of his Nazarite vow that he has this strength. God chooses to come upon him. But what Samson do? I killed. It's all about me. And the funny thing is, too, though, is that Israel raised an army of 3,000 men but it was never, ever in their evening to fight against the Philistines or anything else. Yeah, you would have thought. Think about this. They're standing, there's an army of men behind him that never get involved in the battle, and they're never mentioned. They're just standing on the sidelines. Israel's complacency. Oh, yeah. And and their cowardness, you know. They they have no evening. So in a way, his little torts that he does with them, and he does a lot of little things, just to put it in front of the Israelites, you guys are just lame. You know, you don't do anything. You just take this escort no matter how much they beat you up. How often, just just asking, we're not going to, we're obviously not going to finish the last couple of verses. That's fine. We'll pick it up next week. Uh, but how often are we put in situations where we have a chance to do right, knowing that if we do, it will harm us politically, economically, moral, uh, mentally, 
And so we choose not to do it because even though it's right, we don't want the aggravation. We don't want the fallout. We don't want to do what's right because it's going to harm us in some way. How often does that happen? It's kind of like sharing Jesus with other people. It's like, yeah, if I do that, they might not like me. Maybe they don't like what I say. They might take offense at you, know, and it's not too bad right now. It's okay. Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting that we have this tendency to be concerned about uh, we always think about, not about what's right, what's what's the correct thing to do. You know, again, I go back to my training. I don't know why I keep going back to Bob Jones, but Bob, Dr. Bob Sr. used to say, do right until the stars fall. And then uh, we'd go out and look for meteor showers or or, uh, or we'd change the, the, the reading. We'd put, a, you know, do right until the stars come out. Um, but that was <laughs> another comment that... It, but, you know, Steve? <laughs> uh, the other thing I was looking at too, just think about something came to mind. Two things for me today. It says he judged Israel twenty years in the days of Joseph. Yeah. What I don't know was this starting in sixteen. Is this after the twenty years? Philistines, they say Samson's they finally found find a place that maybe he's gone to. Yeah. Well, we know that we know that, that, that he only lasts about twenty years total. That right. he's, you know, I mean, so we don't know. The end of it. And yeah. The thing I always think about too for me personally was that I was looking at the Hebrews today real quick. Mm-hmm. Is that um, like Hebrews eleven? It talks. About, yep. I was thinking, okay, this is man's view of Samson. Then I go over and look at God's view of Samson, and it says, "And what more shall I say for the time of failing to tell of Gideon, Barak, and Samson?" And yep. Also, David and Samson. Think about think about the fact that God's that the writer of Hebrews, Samson and Jephthah, of all of the possible judges, that would be the two I would choose. I don't think so, you know, from man's perspective. And yet he says that they were men of faith. But my point is, is that that's how even that's how God mistakes mm-hmm. with the faith and the couple things. Isn't it interesting? God saw. Isn't it interesting how God always? views things differently than man does? The point is that for me, that's a point of encouragement. Oh, yeah. I tell people, that's, okay, cool, that's great, because I need to that, remember that, too, because well, I'm screwing up here pretty bad. Th- think about think about the, the list of people that God does there in, in Hebrews 11. We've, we've discussed this, guys. We did a, in fact, we did a, a 13 weeks out of the entire, I don't know how, study of the book of Hebrews. We did 13 weeks... At least, no, it was actually about 16 weeks on chapter 11 alone. So we've got Moses, who's a murderer. One of the guys that's listed there, I'm just saying. You know, David, who's an adulterer and also a a murderer, still listed in the, you know. To me, what that says is that God looks at us and even though we are failures, God still says there are things about you that I find joyful, that I that I appreciate, that I that I, I commend you for doing. So you know, David is still a man after God's own heart, even though he's a you know he's a murderer and an adulterer. I, I go, whoa! Isn't it isn't it great to know that even even as bad as Samson is, Samson's still considered part of the the, the men of faith. And the result of that is that God looks at us 
and he looks at it, he sees the inside of us. Like he says to Samuel where he's choosing the king, and he goes through all the line of Jesse's sons. He goes, oh, this has got to be it, God. No, 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 no. You're looking on the outward appearance. I'm looking on the heart. The other thing, too, I looked at the other day was in, at the end of this thing was that when Delilah asked him about different things, his last comment, what strength to me, was that he said, I have been a Nazarite since my womb. In other words, he never forgot where this thing came, where his strength mm-hmm. came from. Mm-hmm. And that was important for me to think, you know what? I need to focus back on that, even though I've made this script. Where's the start from? It came from this. And it's still, that's what we call my faith. And I think that's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I think we need to remember that God. Often God chooses to use us in spite of who we are, not because of who we are. And I find great solace in that because I am a screw-up. I've told you before that in the family of God, I am the royal jester, I'm pretty sure. I'm the fool for God. That's right, man. You got to do. Yeah, and we're going to close. We're going to close. We're going to close and let you guys go. Father, thanks again for being with us and helping us as we study this passage. There's so much to dig out of these passages at times, and so we thank you, Father, for the insight you've given various of us here, and and for the insight that you caused us to uh, see even today. Pray the Holy Spirit would help us in our lives to realize that we are called to serve you and that uh, we will serve you and serve your purposes sometimes in spite of ourselves. Uh, So we ask that you would bless us in this time. Help us to be faithful servants of yours that we might uh, uh, do what you've called us to do and be what you've called us to be, that we would walk worthy of the vocation you've called us to. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.